Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. I am a person who has a great admiration for lots of different saints, blesseds, and venerables, and today we're going to be talking about a Mexican mystic, a wife, a mother, a widower, a lover of priests, one who prayed for priests in a particular way, and a person that I think can help us to appreciate the Holy Week that we're in, but also a great spiritual uh, leader as well for any other time of the year to help us to dive deeper into the mysteries of Christ and into the spiritual life. And that individual that I wish to speak about today is Blessed Conchita. And there's a new book about Blessed Conchita out by Kathleen Beckman. It's called Beautiful Holiness, A Spiritual Journey with Blessed Conchita to the Heart of Jesus. And Kathleen Beckman has written a number of books over the years that I have been very impressed by. Uh, she's the president and co-founder of the Foundation of Prayer for Priests, a global apostolate of prayer and catechesis for the holiness of priests. I know that she also assists in a lot of different uh, institutes, such as the Pope Leo XIII Institute, uh, Magnificat, and she is also uh, a part of lots of different evangelization, uh, television, and radio apostolates. And today she joins me on How They Love Mary to talk about Blessed Conchita. So thanks so much, Kathleen, for joining me. Well, thank you, Father. I am so blessed to be with you today. And just I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak a little bit about this amazing mystic and mother. Yeah, one of my things that I love doing, and people who've read my book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady, they'll know this, that not only do I enjoy the popular saints, so saints like Padre Pio or St. Francis, but I love introducing people to kind of unknown, obscure individuals. I like bringing attention, popularizing them, and I really think Conchita might be that right now, at least. I think that her time and her age in the church is coming right now, that she will no longer kind of be this unknown woman mystic of the church uh, from the 20th century, but that many people will come to know her, especially because of your book. And Conchita is one that I was introduced to because of a priest named Monsignor Arthur Culkins. Uh, Monsignor Culkins is a member of the Mariological Society of America, which I am a member of and serve on its administrative council and currently act as its president. And so he's given actually a presentation on Conchita uh, at one point uh, in our annual meeting. So, so that's how I came to learn about her. He, I, I actually thought about writing my STL thesis on priestly holiness through Mary. Uh, I ended up not writing that topic. Uh, it was kind of like one of those topics where I was thinking about abandoning my original topic and then going to something new. And so I was exploring that idea and I thought maybe Conchita would be the uh, one of the interlocutors that I would use in that. So uh, I did end up doing it, but he did send me a, a book of her writings and uh, just wonderful spiritual insights. And I'm curious first, maybe uh, who is Conchita, especially for the people that don't know who she is, that she is this hidden figure really in uh, in Catholic spirituality. So who is Blessed Conchita? 
Well, I want to answer that question, but if you don't mind, I really want to respond to your uh, introductory comments because it really uh, was anointed and prophetic in a way that you are echoing what you said in the beginning about this is a time when she is coming forth. You are echoing what the Congregation for the Clergy wrote in their booklet entitled Eucharistic Adoration for the Sanctification of Priests and Spiritual Maternity. They highlight the spiritual maternity of Blessed Conchita related to priests. And um, they say that there will come a time in the church when Blessed Conchita will become very important. And I believe, like you, that this is the time. As I did more and more research on Blessed Conchita, uh, I, I don't consider myself an expert at all, but I did sit at the feet of an expert, uh, Father Domenico Raimondo, who's in the Order of the Missionaries of the Holy Spirit. He was at one time the postulator for Blessed Conchita's cause in Rome. So he lives about 10 minutes from my home. That's where he's stationed right now in the Diocese of Orange. And so I was able to sit with him and learn from him. I call him my professor of Conchita because <laughs> I wasn't as well versed on her as she, as he is. And so I think, um, and then your comment about, you know, the writings for the priests, maybe we'll get into it uh, in more detail, but in the book, there's many priests that um, relate to reading those messages, those uh, locutions and beautiful words from Blessed Conchita given by Jesus that have really helped their priesthood. So it's a blessing to share about her. She was a Mexican lady born of a very uh, uh, devout, pious family. And she was born in 1862 and she died when she was 74 years old. Um, and that was in 1937. She was born in San Luis Putisi, which is about 250 miles north of Mexico City, hmm. about 450 miles south of the U.S. border. And, um, you know, from the beginning, she was obviously called by God. She had a beautiful vision. It was really a dream. In, in a dream, she experienced the Lord. And ever since that dream, when she was six years old, she really felt that the Lord was calling her to himself. And in many ways, he had captured her heart, even as a child. And she would live 17 years as um, a married woman, but 22 years as a single woman, 21 years, 21 years, a single woman, 17 years, a married woman, and 36 years widowed. And mm. so when her husband died, she was uh, left with eight children to care for on her own as a widow. And, and she did it with amazing grace. Wow. So she is a woman that really, I think other women can relate to, especially, you know, marriage is the common vocation in the church. And so uh, a wife, a mother, and then as a widower, other people then in the church, those who are suffering the loss and mourning the loss of their husband, they can find wisdom, even from Conchita. And and so as people are drawn to her, obviously you were drawn to her because you're, uh, you wrote this book, Beautiful Holiness. And why was it then that you were kind of called by God to write the story of Conchita for our times? Well, thank you for asking that question, Father. I've asked myself that question many times. 
it was it was really I felt duped really by the Lord and Father Domenico in many ways I tease him because I had invited him to write the book I I when I encountered him I knew he was the expert and I said you know I don't think that the English speaking world the U.S. really is very familiar with Blessed Conchita and you are and long story short uh, he he flipped it on me and uh, asked me to be the writer and mm. so I, I was and so it fell to me. It was a difficult task because the vastness of Blessed Conchita's writings, as a mystic, she wrote even more than St. Thomas Aquinas, if you can imagine that, okay? Wow, she's okay. She's a full-time uh, wife, mother of nine children, and widowed for most of her uh, adult life, and she still penned that many mystical writings, and they are not... Uh, simple writings. They're very profound. They're very, you've read some of the messages to the priest from the Lord. And so her interior dialogues with Jesus are very lofty. Um, Cardinal Cantala Mesa compares her her mystical experiences and writings to that of the great Teresa of Avila and Catherine of Siena. And she has um, just deposited in the church a wealth, a treasury, a library of mystical writings that I think will be mined for a long time. And so uh, she captured my heart because of 25 years ago, a priest had shared the book, Priests of Christ. And I read her writings to priests and I have that apostolate of prayer for priests. So, you know, being interested in spiritual maternity for the holiness of priests, I knew her in that facet. It wasn't until uh, over two years ago when I met Father Domenico that I began to understand more her motherhood, her spiritual motherhood, her Eucharistic life, her prayer life, the way she prayed, how she was devoted to her husband, how she prepared uh, four of her children and her husband to die a holy death, how she carried on and inspired the um, founding of a religious order for priests, a religious order for nuns, and lay orders as well that exist around the globe today. So what captured me was, it was a challenge to me. I'm a wife and a mother, you know, Father, and it was, it was like, you know, it is possible to attain to holiness in our vocations. And I think she is, a, it, no matter what the vocation is, especially in the domestic church, one of the things that really captured me was, she, this is unique, I think, to Conchita. She wanted to love Jesus so much. And she acknowledged that she could not love Jesus as much as he deserved to be loved on her own. So she prayed that Jesus would give her a big family so that she could magnify the gift of herself by teaching all of her family, husband, children, to love Jesus. And together as a family, they would pour forth more love of Jesus and be more fruitful. And I think that's a, that's a calling for families today. It seems that Blessed Conchita really captures what the Second Vatican Council said about holiness for all people. And 
often there's this meme that kind of circulates on social media. It says, you know, kind of this is the picture of holiness, priestly life or religious life. And then, you know, ancillary holiness would be the married life. And the Second Vatican Council said, no, no, everybody is called to holiness, regardless of their state of life, if they're consecrated or lay, if they're married, whatever. But then that vocation becomes the means of holiness. And so for her, as a wife, as a mother, uh, that's how her holiness is expressed and how she lives it out. And I think one of the ways we talk about that today is through the lens of what we would call missionary discipleship. And uh, I think one of the quotes from your book that I found most interesting, and it was right there in the very beginning, and you said that she is an antidote to mediocre discipleship. And I'm wondering what you mean by mediocre discipleship. So maybe it's better if we paint a picture, like what is meteor, mediocre discipleship and what is, you know, kind of thriving discipleship and how then can Conchita inform our own life as a disciple? Well, that's a wonderful question and observation on your part. You know, I think I relate to that just from my own conversion of life. I had an, a metanoia experience when I, 30 years ago. Uh, at uh, my visit with at Our Lady of Lourdes. And I had a, a very profound uh, conversion of life and heart and became a daily communicant, a daily adored, daily rosary. I mean, my whole imagination and heart was captured for Christ and the church because of the witness of the beauty of the church. And so I think um, for me at that point, Father, it was all or nothing. And I had been very mediocre. I was one foot in, you know, with the Lord, but he was getting back in my early thirties, he was getting uh, very much eclipsed by my desire for, for, uh, you know, uh, prestige and power and money. And we were working very hard, my husband and I, and, and we're really focused on uh, making money. And, and really, I started to take on this attitude that was very worldly. So I understood how important it is once I, my heart was captured at Lourdes for the Lord, and especially through the Eucharist, the Rosary and Mary, I uh, had a radical conversion of life and, and pushed away from the spirit of the world and devoted in, in myself to the Lord and to the church. And Conchita challenges challenges me and challenges others because if you're saying yes, Conchita teaches us how to be all in. I likened her to the the widow's mite. I mean, you know how the Lord loved the widow, the widow's mite. She was all in. She gave what she had. She had just a little, but she was all in and she was on fire. So why not be fire? And so I want to grow. If I'm going to follow the Lord, I want to grow. And because we love him, we, we love him and he's attractive and holiness is beautiful. I mean, the title beautiful holiness really refers to the Lord's beautiful holiness. He's the only one who is really holy and it is beautiful to behold. And the saints, the beauty of sanctity radiate and attract us. And so I think, um, you know, she is an antidote for the, if we're going to be mediocre and we're not all in, I don't think it's pleasing to the Lord per what scripture teaches us, but I think that she, you know, I consider myself father, a pretty committed uh, disciple and honestly, in researching her life, she challenged me to improve. She challenged me to love more. And here's the key. 
I think the key that Conchita is about right now in her witness to the universal call to holiness is this. She never separates love from sacrifice. Sacrifice and love for her are very intertwined. They're like two sides of the same coin. Her spirituality is captured in the word love crucified. And when you read her life and the way she lived, her witness is to love crucified. She struggled with self. She died to self. She she taught others how to sacrifice for the sake of God, for the sake of loving the most holy trinity. And I think that today, disciples really need to be reminded of love and sacrifice are coupled together. I really like what you said about holiness there. And one of my readings uh, for my STL degree focused on uh, the French school of spirituality. So Cardinal Berule, for example, and, and that was really my takeaway from him was that our holiness is a participation in the holiness of Christ. And so, so I thought you said that quite beautifully and uh, yeah, she, she seems to be, as you mentioned, this, this antidote for our times and she can really challenge us. And I see that in, in so many holy men and women that I've read that, uh, for example, I, I think of Fatima and these children that saw Our Lady there and how Mary told Francisco, you have to pray many rosaries to go to heaven. And I'm like, he was, you know, I don't know how old he was at the time of the apparition exactly. So let's say he was nine years old. He dies when he's 16. In between that time, he has to pray lots of rosaries. He's a kid, for heaven's sakes. And, and here I am, you know, in my 30s now. And I'm like, well, how much more is expected of me if that was expected of him? And uh, and so I really think the lives of holy men and women before us, and this is the whole premise of my book, How They Love Mary, is just to inspire us in our own devotion to see how they loved her and now how I can try to love in a very similar way and use their experience to inform me uh, in doing so. And for you, you just said that uh, for Conchita, one of the mottos of her life would have been love comes from sacrifice. And we're in the midst of Holy Week now. And this week that changes the world, as EWTN uh, famously said in my childhood, and something that always stayed with me, the week that changed the world. And uh, this is the time in which we focus on the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the ultimate week of love. It's sacrificial love of Christ. And what can Conchita tell us about our observance of Holy Week? How can she help us uh, to reflect about the passion of Jesus this week? Well, I have a, I happen to have a chapter on that in the book. It's called Vision of the Cross Communion of Suffering. And I know from my own personal experiences, when I had a, 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 a murder in the family, father, my father-in-law was murdered and, and it was a deep wound of, in, in my heart from that violent murder. And I know that the only consolation I could find was by really praying every day, meditating on the passion of Christ. So I think the passion of Christ is a great solace for um, those who are suffering. And and most of the saints will encourage meditation on the passion of Christ as part of an everyday type of uh, remembrance and gratitude and prayer, remembering that. But Conchita, she had a vision of the cross, and it was really central 
to her spirituality. And in the vision of the cross, it's very much related to baptismal priesthood, um, but also to ministerial priesthood. And in the vision, I think that, um, well, in the vision, she has the image of the heart of Jesus and the center of the cross beams, and it is on fire. And the sword is piercing the heart and these flames are coming forth. And then the key that I think Conchita can teach us is that the Holy Spirit is, I mean, the um, that the Holy Spirit always overshadows the cross. And I think sometimes if we remember that, you know, Christ on the cross, the heart and all that's taking place in that most magnificent gift of love, that total and perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that all of this is overshadowed by the dynamism of the Holy Spirit, which is love. And so I think for us, as we remember in during Passion Tide and Holy Week, this passion, this agony, this, this perfect sacrifice of Jesus, that all of this is overshadowed in that Holy Spirit love. And that is, it's really for the purpose of love. So when we look at the sufferings of Christ, I think it's important that as sorrowful as we are about them, that we realize this is an icon of love. And this icon of love of Christ suffering on the cross, one of the ways we see this too is how it plays out on Holy Thursday, for example, that Christ gives this example of love by washing the feet of the apostles. And that's another aspect of Conchita's life is that she has this spiritual motherhood of priests. She writes to priests. She has these revelations for the sake of priests. So uh, can, can you speak a little bit just about her love of the priesthood and how maybe that can engender a greater love and respect of the priesthood uh, among the faithful today? Sure, Father. Great question. I think that she loved the priesthood of the Lord because she loved the eternal high priest. And it's for love of the eternal high priest that there's one priesthood. And all, all of you priests are in that one priesthood of the eternal high priest. So her love for Jesus was just flowed through to all of the priest sons of Jesus. And so I think that, um, you know, her it is the Lord that is speaking the word through Jesus. I mean, through uh, Conchita. It is. It isn't Conchita who is really uh, devising these writings. It is she's receiving them from the Eternal High Priest, and so she's very much a pupil as she's writing down things from the the heart of the priest. So of course they're going to relate, and and priests will be able to recognize their call and the gift of the ministerial priesthood. And it's a call to sacrifice. You know that. Uh, I work with a lot of priests. It's a call to sacrificial love. And there's no separating that love from the sacrifice. And um, and then as ministers of the of the sacraments, which, you know, I I think it's so important for families to remember that when we pray for priests, we're really doing the greatest service to our families because the the purpose of Jesus entrusting our spouses and our children to us is to get them to help them get to heaven for eternal salvation and for that to happen my spouse and my children 
they need to participate and receive the sacraments and the sacraments come through ministerial priesthood. And so that's the greatest service we can give to our families is to pray for holiness uh, in, in the priesthood. And so I think that Conchita was obviously devoted to the priesthood. She also, Father, lived at a time through the Mexican Revolution and the Cristeros War. She witnessed the persecution of priests and nuns, the persecution of the church, and it was horrific. Her journals are filled with notations of the persecutions of the priests. She was the mother of a priest's son. You know, it was funny in the book, you'll you'll see that she her son became a Jesuit and she really wanted, she had inspired this order for priests. But he didn't enter into the order that his mother had started. He entered into the Jesuits and stayed for his whole priesthood in Spain. And so um, then she understood the heart of a priest, I think, from her son's uh, priesthood. And then also, I think it's very interesting. I think uh, you'll find it as well interesting that three of Conchita's spiritual directors, bishops, one of them, Archbishop Luis Martinez, the author of the great book, The Sanctifier, his cause is open. He's a servant of God. And so there's two other priests that directed her. So Conchita was always a pupil and always had throughout her whole life spiritual direction for by some bishops or priests that were very much uh, her teachers, her mentors. So obviously she began from the eight in her thirties. And when she made, she made annual retreats, she was very much influenced by the Ignatian exercises and would make annual retreats of the exercises. And so she understood and interacted with priests um, and bishops throughout most of her life. And how would Blessed Conchita how would she recommend a person praying for priests? Does she have a specific prayer that you would recommend we would say? Or uh, is it just a, a simple, you know, our own words or language? Like, what would her recommendation be in that prayer for clergy? I think that she would recommend Eucharistic adoration uh, for the for priests to spend to make a gift of an hour, a holy hour for priests, because um, that was even when she became engaged, the day of her engagement, she implored her her uh, fiance that uh, when they got married, or it was the day of their marriage, actually, she implored him that he would allow her to continue to make a holy hour every single day while they were married. And and that happened. And so I think that, and then, you know, let's let's talk about Mary. Uh, Conchita had a very Marian mysticism. So her, uh, she was very much formed by the Lord in three facets of Marian spirituality. And that is, our Lady Guadalupe, Our Lady of the Cross, and the Virgin of Solitude. And so I think her Marian prayers, or the rosary and, and things like that, would be very much a part of praying for priests um, that, that she would recommend. And there were there are a lot of prayers in the book that are direct. I have a lot of quotes directly from her because... Father Domenico and I decided that, you know, she, her voice is so beautiful. Her writings are so exquisite. Let her voice speak throughout the book. And that's what I do. One of the ways you just mentioned that she had uh, as a devotion was Eucharistic adoration, uh, a daily holy hour you just mentioned. And right now the church in the United States finds itself in the midst of a Eucharistic revival, trying to, uh, 
foster a deeper uh, love of the Holy Eucharist and belief in the true presence. A Holy Thursday is the night that Jesus institutes the Holy Eucharist at the Last Supper. So how can her love of the Eucharist inspire us today? Her love, Conchita's love of the Eucharist can inspire us today in this midst of the Eucharistic revival. Because as Father Cantalamesa said, and I quote in the book, we have to move, uh, paraphrasing Father Cardinal Cantalamesa, we have to move beyond devotion to imitation. And this is something that Conchita teaches us to do. Devotions are very vital and important and helpful, and they help in every way, and they are important and should be part of our spiritual life. But at some point, we have to move beyond devotions to imitation of. We should be changed by looking at the one whom we adore. We should become more like the one that we look upon in adoration. If I'm a daily communicant uh, and daily adorer for 30 years, and I haven't grown in virtue, then something is amiss. So we should see some fruit to the devotions. And I think not only the the devotion, but we begin to take on imitation of Mary, imitation of Jesus. And so I think this is what Conchita would, would her, her mysticism, her spirituality, her life witness is moving beyond uh, devotion to complete and total imitation. You know, she was formed by Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe, as you know, you're a Mariologist. It, that's a book into itself. You know, that, that's if you read Guadalupe, there's so many lessons there um, about the power of Mary and the role and mission of Mary. And then you have Our Lady at the cross. And again, this is something you know, Jesus directed Conchita in those three Marian facets. Guadalupe, our Virgin of the Cross, and the Virgin of Solitude. Now, I was not very familiar with Mary's life after the Ascension, and the fact that Mary would then recall in her daily prayer the way of the cross, that she would constantly be reflecting, meditating, contemplating her son's passion, death, and resurrection, that she would, you know, obviously she was on earth, older and an intercessor as to birth the church and to help the birthing of the priesthood and the apostles and disciples. But she had a contemplative life. And uh, so Conchita's writings about this part of Mary's journey, the Virgin of Solitude, which I think is very important for this time, is that we live in a we live in a culture that is very busy about many things, Father, as you know. Priests are torn in many di different directions by the demands of your priesthood. And Mary of Solitude kind of calls us back into a silence and a solitude and a way of meditation upon especially the passion and uh, the Paschal Mysteries. For Our Lady, she is the one that really meditates on the passion. She's there. Uh, there are some apparitions, some unapproved apparitions, not uh, authenticated by the church, but in one of them, she says, uh, reflect often about the passion of Jesus. And so it, it would seem that as she makes that request to those visionaries, that uh, it's it's really a participation in her own mystical life then, that as she did recall the passion. And, uh, I've read The Mystical City of God in its entirety. Uh, I did a 365-day podcast with that 2,600-page 
Heritage work. Uh, and then I've also done some with uh, Anne Catherine Emmerich. I haven't read her in the entirety of her volumes, but uh, that's just something that I realized too, is that Mary did walk in the footsteps. She went back to Calvary, that she did uh, really reflect about the passion. And, and so as we are in Holy Week, that's something maybe we take away that the passion of Jesus isn't just for Lent. It's not just for Holy Week, but it's really for every day and every week of the year. And that's why even throughout the year, we're called to make sacrifice, especially on Fridays. And yes. uh, maybe, that, maybe that's one of the takeaways uh, we have then from some of these revelations of uh, Conchita. Absolutely. And, you know, personally, I think you know, we all have some form of suffering. We all have some cross that we're bearing that's custom tailor-made for us. But for me, it's a great comfort when I, who might feel burdened by this cross, when I put it next to the cross of Christ, and I realize it's just, you know, a share and a little tiny splinter that he has given me of this cross. And and I've learned through, you know, I work in the diocese as the administrator of healing, exorcism, and deliverance. So I walk with people who are waiting to see the deliverance or exorcist priest. And I see during those prayer sessions with the exorcist, the power of the cross. I mean, I see the way the enemy cowers in front of the cross. And when the priest demands him to look at the cross of Jesus, it, it elicits great agony to the evil ones. There is power in that cross and it's the power of Christ's victory. And so I think you know, we are called as disciples that, you know, hopefully our hearts are on fire. This we're to proclaim the victory of Christ. You know, his is the victory over all sin and evil and any spirit of discouragement or doubt that we may be burdened with is overcome by the power of that cross. And so I think we need to really always keep our eyes uh, on the victory of the cross what happens after, you know, when we remember how the, the uh, veil was torn, the whole earth is changed by the power of that cross. And it's a victory. And it's a victory that we should internalize so that we don't become victims. You've spent a lot of time with the writings of Conchita, probably uh, the almost two years now, reading, writing, reflecting about uh, her writings, her life, etc. And What's one of the biggest takeaways that you've come to have or one of the things you appreciate uh, from this time of study and, and reflection? I appreciate how her humility, how she was able to get out of God's way and yield and surrender each step of the way. And even though the Lord was calling her to things way beyond her, far beyond her vision of what her life might be, she rose to those occasions simply because she understood that it wasn't her, that it was Christ with her. She is a wonderful example and teacher of a will help us be aware of the indwelt presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, that per our baptism, we are never alone, and that he who is in us is you know, more powerful than anything that is without. And so she is one who is little 
and ordinary. You know, there's some there's some wonderful little anecdotes we, in the book. We we got some quotes from her family, how she had a great sense of humor, how she said she was never, she was a wealthy, she grew up in wealthy haciendas of her family. She didn't have wealth as her, after her husband died or when she had so many children, but she grew up in a wealthy family before she was married. And she said, you know, uh, she would walk by jewelry stores or clothing stores and never be troubled by them or tempted. But if she walked by a candy store, she wanted to eat sweets. And so, you know, she's real, she's simple and, and very authentic. And she's one that was just clay in God's hands. And so I think if we, sometimes if we could just surrender ourselves so totally and get out of God's way, he would do amazing things. There'd be more saints. <laughs> Well, that's great. That's a wonderful little lesson I'll take away from her life. And uh, I'm just curious too, is it difficult if someone wanted to go and make a pilgrimage, maybe pray at the tomb of Conchita? Is it difficult to do so? Have you done that yourself? Well, it's interesting that you say that, Father. Um, actually, Women of Grace, EWTN Women of Grace, and I are, uh, I was invited by them, by EWTN, to do a pilgrimage, um, and we are going to visit not only Guadalupe December 8th through the 13th this year, um, but we're going, Father Domenico, myself, Johnette, and a team from EWTN, we will be going to uh, the shrine, but we will also be visiting the sites uh, related to the life of Blessed Conchita. And so that's available at uh, Women of Grace EWTN. But, um, you know, I think there's still some seats available. I think we have over a bus and a half filled at this point. I have never, to answer your question, I've never been to those sites. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to going on this pilgrimage to visit those sites. And you didn't ask me to mention that. I was just curious uh, myself <laughs> about it. I knew about the pilgrimage and I thought you're going there. But uh, yeah, I just want to know if it was a little difficult. But speaking of EWTN, uh, I can only imagine, I, I think of Rhoda Weiss, who uh, Mother Angelica had a great devotion to, or uh, this uh, mystic stigmatist, et cetera, from Ohio, and that you can go and you can visit the home of Rhoda Weiss. Maybe there's a shrine or a chapel or something like that. And I'm one, I guess I, I'm speculating that with Blessed Conchita, one who's even advanced further on the road to sainthood than just, I think Rhoda Weiss is a venerable or a servant of God, uh, that that you're probably able to visit the home where Conchita raised her children. And uh, I, I'm sure there's a lot of places uh, on that pilgrimage you're able to visit uh, and follow in the footsteps of Conchita uh, to follow in her footsteps as a disciple of the Lord. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. And it is possible. I think a lot of people have probably done that. I know uh, there's a tremendous devotion to uh, Blessed Conchita, you know, in Mexico. And uh, so I think that those sites are very much available. And um, I look forward to exploring them. You know, whenever we go on pilgrimage, and I think you know this, you're, you're a Mariologist, you know, when we go to that is like making a retreat, but it always like enkindles our hearts and and makes real, you know, it enfleshes the reality of our uh, saints. And, and the saints have very much helped me personally to know how to follow Christ. And it's a very practical by looking at the lives of saints, reading their writings. I've been very edified to by their witness so that I can know how to follow him with more love and sacrifice. So I think Conchita is um, is going to be a tremendous spiritual mother to, to your listeners and to all who discover her in uh, the United States and, and beyond. 
And if people want to learn more about her, they can do so, especially by getting your biography of her called a beautiful or called Beautiful Holiness. And uh, these books are always available at your local Catholic bookstore. But how else can people find out more about your book and your other books, your ministry, your apostolate and such? Um, I would encourage people to support the wonderful apostolate of Sophia Institute Press. They're my publishers and um, they have uh, all of my books available. So the Blessed Conchita book is is hot off the press and um, there'll be more coming out from them. But Sophia Institute Press, I think it's sophiainstitute.com. If you go to my website, kathleenbeckman.com, I don't sell them, uh, but they were, there's a link that will take you right into Sophia. And that's where you can also learn more about your apostolate of prayer for priests, and uh, which is a very beautiful apostolate. And as a priest, I'm very grateful. Uh, at my parish, we have a seven sisters uh, group. And uh, so one year I gifted them a copy of your uh, prayer, uh, your book for praying for priests. So uh, yeah, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. And I'm grateful for you joining me to really introduce me and others to Blessed Conchita and the wealth of her wisdom, not only for Holy Week, but in our life as disciples of Jesus. Well, thank you very much. It was a privilege to be able to dialogue with you about this beautiful saint.